Welcome back to Two Whores Opinions. That stands for Women Having Open Redacted Educational Studies. I'm Phyllis. And I'm Darla. Strap in. Or strap on. Are you ready, kids? Today's episode's gonna be really fun. We're talking about Leopold and Loeb, a.k.a. the Bobby Franks murder case. A.k.a. the Lethal Lovers. That's what we like to call them. Yeah, you know, I was once almost a lethal lover myself. How? Well, a man fainted on top of me. Oh my god. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, he was like twice my size, and so I, I thought he was gonna smother me. He was almost the lethal lover. <gasps> Oh, and I thought it was my good, sweet cooch. Oh, God. You could have joined the greats. I could have. But, uh, but it's probably didn't. for the best I didn't. It is for the best. Anyways, <laughs> so, back, we are going to take you all back to the 19... 20s. 20s. I had to think about that for a second. I couldn't 100 remember. years. We're almost hitting the 100-year mark That's of this episode. Of this, not this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has been out for 100 years. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> You may think you we're think dead, but we're we'll gonna. What do you think they're gonna think about when they re-listen to this episode in a hundred years? In a hundred, wow! Look at those swanky women, living incredible women, liberated lives, liberated life. I we love the L alliterations we today. We do. We really, really. Oh well, God. I mean, Leopold and Loeb, the lethal, lethal lovers. lovers. What was the thing that I we just I don't know wrote? what we said. <laughs> I not Oh, it was something good. It was something funny. <laughs> anyway, 1920s. This is one of the most, like, well-known cases of all times. There's, like, a lot of, a lot of, like, adaptations of it. It's you might true. know it as the perfect crime, in quotation marks. In quotation marks, it actually it was, was not. It was a bad crime. Um, so also known stupid. as, like, a, the thrill... The thrill means... Killers. Kill the I thrill think killers. They're, they're called the thrill killers. Like, this is... I, I honestly think this is where the trope of, like, every single, like, psychopathic, handsome... Yeah. No feelings, just living for the crime and the handsome, thrill... Handsome, but no thoughts in those eyes. Like, th- exactly. This is Ted Bundy, but <gasps> 1920s version of it. Wow. And two of them. Two of... Well, only one of them was handsome. True. True. One of them was ugly. And let's start with that. And like always... Yes. You take the beautiful one, I take the ugly one. Let's talk about Nathan Leopold. Am I wrong? You're That's not wrong. No, it's true. After the Sarah Bornhart. <laughs> I know. Endless, we love to do that. Yeah, it's true. So anyways, okay, Phyllis Nathan, is taking the ugly one. I am. Nathan Leopold. Let me tell you, though, this man, ugly, but a fucking genius. Mm. Fucking genius. His IQ today is estimated to be anywhere from like 210 to 220. What's the average? For context, the average is anywhere between like 85 and 115. Oh, my God. Isn't that insane? So, like... He was literally known as, like, a genius of his time. Oh, my God. He, like, did so well in school, had zero friends. Nobody liked him. He was, like, super smart, but he was conceited. And he, like, knew he was a genius. One of those fellas who was like, I know I'm so smart. And everyone's like, shut up. Nobody cares. We don't want to talk to you. Anyway, really ugly, really socially not well-liked, not good at Mm. social interaction. Um, However... He fell in love with a man. Oh. 1920s, I know. Oh, I love hidden Progressive. romances. Anyway, he fell in love with a man named Loeb. You want to <gasps> take it over, Dala? Oh, I would love to. So, Richard Loeb. He was also very, very smart. Not as smart no. as uh, Mr. Nathan Leopold. And from this point on, we'll just be referring to them as uh, Leopold, Leopold and, and Loeb, because I don't want to say their full names all the time. But, like, so, you know, Leopold's IQ was 210, 220, you said? Yeah. R- Loeb's was 160, which, again, given that the average is 85 to 115, is, is, yeah. is far above average. So, and, and continuing in this thing, he graduated at 17 uh, from the University of Michigan, and he was the youngest graduate. I mean, if you graduate at the oh age God. of 17... That's pretty impressive. And after he graduated, he planned to uh, attend law school in the fall. So he was like the polar opposite of Mr. Leopold in the sense that he was very handsome. Because I, I do remember that Leopold, he, he had like buggy eyes. Like wasn't buggy he described eyes. as like, he had like, but, like eyes yeah. that bulged out, mm-hmm. he wore glasses. Yep. 
Anyways, well, Leopold was very handsome. He was very charming. Everyone loved Everyone him. Everyone loved Loeb. Who would love a man named Loeb? I just keep thinking of earlobes. It's a bad. It's a bad name. I just think of earlobes. Yeah. Oh, some people are into that. We we shouldn't keep shit. Well, no. Ah, fine. Anyways, however, so as we were stating earlier, Loeb is kind of like the pre-Ted Bundy type, you know, where it's like this handsome guy that you know lives for the adventure. All, all that, all... Just wanted to get in trouble. Yeah, wanted to get in trouble. So he committed crimes pretty much all his life, you know, like from petty theft to larceny to arson. He and loved arson. He, 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 he did light many a building on fire. And, I uh, don't know, I'll share the erection story later. Yeah, no, that's a later That's time. a later thing. But anyways, but also, weird thing, growing up, he had a very controlling governess... Um, like, who may have had romantic interests in him after he became an adult, but a lot of people theorize that perhaps, like, this controlling woman um, was the cause of Loeb acting out and wanting to pursue crime. So he, you know, wanting to do crime, he stumbled across Mr. Leopold. Which, again, just for, like, context, (laughs) Leopold's very smart. He, like, he would sit there and, like, claim that he, like, knew 15 languages fluently. Really, he only, like, knew 9 or 10, which is still impressive. But he'd, but like, when you're claiming 15. go brag about it. And because he had no friends, he loved to, like, he was, like, a birder. Like, he would, like, oh. go hunt birds and, what? like, watch birds birds and like wasn't he like an expert on like yeah. a, a, a rare species yeah. or something no he was like an expert and like he would like he would also like um taxidermy these birds oh. so he had a huge collection of these like different species of birds it was hmm. crazy anyway so Leopold and Lope same age went to the same school what are you laughing at <laughs> I'm just thinking in my head you know, it, picture this. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. They, they plot and commit a murder. Oh. But imagine, while they're plotting, if, like, are these birds on display? I like, think so in like, his house. Okay, so imagine this. You and I were yeah. plotting a murder. Yeah. And in the distance. In my room. In your room, right behind you. There are just these birds watching you, like, tweet, tweet, murder. Oh, no, that was, a, that was literally a thing. He would specifically taxidermy them so they looked angry. <gasps> You're that joking. Was, no. No. Many oh. of his birds are, like, in a museum nowadays. They've taken his name off because the town got really mad that Leopold's name was, like, attached to it. But, like, the family, after they went to, like, jail and everything, like, donated a bunch of these birds to a museum with all these birds. Oh, my God. And they took the name, they took Leopold's name off as, like, the donator because people were mad Nobody wants a murderer as donated dead birds. But when, like... People were asked about it, like, hey, which ones are Leopold's? They go, oh, just look for the angry ones. Angry? It's easy to pick angry out. Angry birds! Angry, angry birds. birds! Oh my god, is that what this is based off of? Uh, I feel like it is. <laughs> Listen, I may not know a lot of things. I may just be a horse. Such a fun game on my phone. Well, I'm on to you, CEOs of Angry Birds. I'm on to you. We figured it out. <laughs> we figured it out. Oh my Anyways, God. sorry to um distract us. Back to the case at that's hand. That's a whole thing about, yeah, that's just Ooh. fun facts about Leopold. Anyway. So, he loved to go birding in all these, like, marshy areas. I don't even know what he did. He wore his, like, dumb glasses. But they were the same age, went to the same school, and they met each other and became friends-ish. It was more like Leopold was like, holy shit, this Mm -hmm. man is hot. Uh Uh-huh. This man is charming. And And he's not as dumb as other people. He's smart. And he's given me attention. And I think for Loeb, it was kind of like... Here's this guy... um, Who who will do literally whatever I I want. want. Exactly. And also someone who thinks... Okay, here's an important thing about Leopold. So Leopold um, was uh, an ardent... There we go, that's the word. An ardent reader of uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, who was this uh, German philosopher. he loved Nietzsche. Loved Nietzsche. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Ditto. 
I could we're, look it up, but I'm we're not two going ladies to. from the Bronx. Ignore our pronunciations. It's fine. Anyways, but so Nietzsche had this concept uh, called the Ubermensch, which in English translates to <laughs> Superman. So Nietzsche had this concept about the Superman in society, which is an individual who is so far above society in terms of morals, intelligence. Uh, honestly, it's like a god on earth. Yeah. And uh, if you are like a, a, this Ubermensch or Superman, you are not beholden to society's rules. No. You are not uh, beholden to uh, the conducts of society, the moralities of society. And it also, you're just above all morality in general. You have the power to do what you want, when you want, because you exist above Everyone. the fray. Yeah. You, you exist above the fray. See, this is such a bad philosophy. I'm pretty sure this is the philosophy Hitler used. Honestly, probably, because yeah. when, when he was talking... When it gets into the wrong hands, it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's, it, 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 it's a bad argument. But anyway, so... Um, Leopold believed in this theory Strongly of the, of the Ubermensch, it. and he believed that that Loeb, also himself, but mainly Loeb, Loeb that Loeb was, was the, the embodiment yeah. of the Superman concept, and uh, and so that is why when uh, Loeb approached Leopold, was and, like, and was like, "You want to do some crimes exactly. with me? Like you want to you want to uh, set some buildings on fire?" Leopold was able to justify it so fast. Exactly, and and this also gave more credence to Loeb's uh, like philandering, not philandering because that means sex, but like you know, uh, like uh, crazy ways, you know, illegal ways, in a way to say it. Yeah, no, they were crazy. Well, because then they went and did a bunch of crimes together. They yes. committed arson. Mm -hmm. They committed a few robberies. Never yep. really got a lot of money out of it. Never no. really got much. They also, that's the real thing, though, is I don't think they got the attention they wanted. Exactly. They were just doing this really for attention. They, they wanted their names on the paper. Like, there are and some documents. they never were. Yeah. They never were. And so, eventually, they started to get bored. Also, yeah, they started a sexual relationship. Yes. They started it firstly on a train. Yes, would you? Yes, please explain. I don't even remember the story. I just know that they were on a train together, and that's the first time they had sex. Okay, well, I'll roleplay for a moment. Yeah, okay. 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 In this moment, I will be Leopold, and you are Loeb. Oh, I'm Loeb. Okay, okay. Oh, I, I, well, I know that we're switching that yeah, in a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm Got Leopold. It. I'm Loeb. And I'm saying to you... Spread eagle on this train going underneath a tunnel. Lobe, do you want to choo choo into my tunnel? Hoo hoo! Yeah, I guess. And that's how it And went. that's how it started. I'm that's pretty how it sure went. that's how it went. I think yeah. that is how it that went. That feels accurate to that the does characters. Feel, that does feel accurate. And by characters, I mean real people. <laughs> These were real people. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. Because they're, they're crazy. They They're are crazy. weird. They're weird. So, you know, we talked about how they're getting bored. Yeah. With, like, these, like, petty crimes, which then leads them to, a.k.a. Well, um, I don't even think it was Leopold getting bored. I think it was Loeb that was getting bored. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. But Leopold could only get Loeb's attention, especially his sexual attention, if he was involved in these crimes. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the... The thing. The thing. They they had a contract. They literally had a contract. They had a contract that stipulated um, that Leopold would go on these excursions with Mr. Loeb, and in return, every two to three weeks, they would Loeb would, would would gratify Mr. Leopold. God. Yeah. Really, the start of like a BDSM relationship. Honestly, they may have been the first. Truly, entrepreneurs. Soldiers at the front. Oh my god! On the battlefield of BDSM. The master-slave relation. It yes, because because yeah, Leopold was the slave. Yeah, Lord was the master. Like uh, this is this is not hyperbole. No, literally, psychologists during their trial no. labeled them as that. No, it's the master-slave. Let let me let me read oh something. My god. Yes, quote. no, William White, psychiatrist at the trial that we'll get to eventually. He literally said. Leopold is estranged from his peers and was a lonely, unhappy child. He was trapped inside his world of fantasy. Nathan imagined himself a slave who saved the life of his king, Richard Loeb, and thereby had earned the king's gratitude, end quote. 
Oh my god. Yeah. This is such a toxic relationship. Oh. Not saying BDSM is toxic, but, but this, this version, relationship. Not good. Not, not good. good. So anyway, so they started getting bored. Yeah. They started talking about it. Mm-hmm. And they went, hey, what if we pull off the perfect crime? We're really smart boys. We are the smartest. The smartest boys in town. Oh, we didn't even say this. They're both like multi-millionaires. Oh, it's true. Very wealthy families. Insanely wealthy. Privileged, like they, they are the definite. Excuse me, they are the definition of privileged, straight. Oh, actually, they're gay. They're not straight white they're men. They're not straight white. They're also. Yeah. They're also Jewish. They're Jewish. They're just rich. Super rich. I cannot explain. I think one of their families today is worth like ten million. No, at the time was worth oh, like oh, ten the, million. I was about to say ten million. That's not much money in today's. No, no. At the time, it was worth $10 million and the other family was worth $4 million. That's a lot of money. Because I don't even know. It's been 100 years. Do the I'm, math. I'm, Do Google, the math. I'm Googling it. I'm Googling it. One moment. 10 years later. So $10 million in the year 1920, translated to today, adjusted for inflation, is... A hundred and fifty-one million six hundred and eighty-one thousand five hundred dollars. Oh my god! They were so rich. They were very wealthy. They got to the point and they went, "Let's pull off this perfect crime." How does that sound? And they started going. They were like, "It's got to be a murder, obviously." It's the only thing that'll get in the papers because nothing else we've done has gotten in, gotten the, papers. in the papers. So they're like, "It's gonna be a murder." Mm-hmm. And what if? What if we write, like, a <gasps> ransom note? Wait, I just got an idea. Yeah. Role play. You and I, Okay. act it out. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'll be Loeb, you be Leopold. Leopold, Leopold. Okay, ready? Hey. Yeah? Ugly one. <sighs> Stop. I, I think. Hear me out. Okay. We murder someone. Okay. And we cover it up perfectly, but hear me out to really get it in the papers and to uh, to divert attention from ourselves, we are going to write a ransom note for whoever we murder and we're gonna give it to the family. Okay. And no one will think it's us because we're filthy rich. No. Wait, why are those angry boys looking at me? The, d- ignore what? them, ignore them. They're just looking at you. That red one looks wait, pretty wait. vicious. Do you care who we murder? No, do you? No. Okay. Murder, it feels like a big step, but you know what? You're you're the Superman. L- I am the Superman. You're the and Superman. This will be quick. I will have a chisel. Okay. Yeah. Odd weapon choice. I know. I'll have a chisel. I'll just like hit him in the skull. Hit him in the skull. You know, Done. I'm so smart. One I know hit. that's gonna work. That's gonna work perfectly. It's, and, and nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing. Nothing. How about we also use some acid? Oh. <gasps> Make um make make the kid seem like not the kid. Oh, so he can't be identified. No identifying. Oh, that's lengthens good. out the moiter. We all know that a long trial is what gets. It's true. It's what, it's not true. even trial. The we're not gonna get caught. No, it's a the long investigation. investigation exactly. gets a lot of attention. Exactly. So, I'm on board. Sounds good. Let's. You'll have sex with me though if I do this, right? <laughs> Fast forward. Okay, we're in the car. At this I'm point. in the back. Seat. We've written the ransom note. Also, still don't know who we're gonna kill. I, Leopold, am driving. And I, Lope, am in the back with my chisel. Vroom vroom. Do you see any boys we want to murder? Oh wait, over there. Who's that? Why? It's none other than my younger cousin. Bobby Franks. Bobby Franks. He looks like he's walking back from a baseball game. Hmm. How are we, we should give him a ride him home. Yeah. I don't know. I'll talk to him. Hey, Bobby. Bobby. Listen, yeah. listen, kid. Yeah. Yeah, kid. Can I give you a ride home? I. I mean, yeah. You're my cousin. Great. Do you want to talk about tennis rackets? Oh, I'd love to talk about tennis racket. I love tennis. Uh, great. That's actually what happened. Get in the car. Shut the door. Shut the door. Okay, me with my chisel. Still drive. So Lobe, with the chisel in hand. Stab. Ah, stab. Ah, stab. Ah, this is not, it's not working. It's not working as much as I... Stab. No, stab. I, I'm um, still awake. Wow, such a thick skull. Thank you. Uh, is that what it's like to be dumb? Um, let's see. Ooh, I have a cloth here. <gasps> <gasps> He's dead. 
He was suffocated after being hit with a chisel. A number of times, unsuccessfully. Many a times, unsuccessfully. Blood but, everywhere. Okay, wait, back into roleplay. Oh, sorry. Well, it's still light outside, Lobe. I don't know what we're gonna do. <sighs> I say I say we kind of clean up the body. And then lunch? Yeah, let's go eat sandwiches. Oh, I could really go for a Reuben right oh, now. Oh, that sounds so good. Let me just, yeah, let me, I'll, I'll run in and grab some. And then we'll just eat and, it in the car? Yeah, and then we'll go someplace and we'll, we'll clean we'll up just, the blood in the Yeah, back. we'll just dispose of the body later. It's fine, it's fine. God, that's a really good sandwich. Mm. Fast forward. Oh, look, a little culvert. Oh, this is great. Let me grab the body and we'll, we'll put him... Put him in the culvert. Wait, wait, we must dump the hydrochloric acid on oh, him. Oh, yeah, twice. so let's disrobe him. Dis- completely naked. Put put some on his face. 14-year-old child. Yeah, also the genitals. Uh, yes, because face and genitals, pe- yeah. Listen, people can be identified by genitals. Oh, my God. We can't risk it. Nope. So, acid, acid, acid. <laughs> oh, poor buddy. He doesn't okay. look good. Throw him in the culvert. But not quite fully. Let's leave his feet sticking out. No one will notice. No one will know. No one will no notice. No one will know. Hey, Leopold, where are your glasses? I don't know. Must have dropped them somewhere on the way. That doesn't matter. Oh, they're how, probably in the how car. How can someone identify me by glasses? That's so silly. <laughs> and scene. Wow. That's basically what happened. We should be actors. I really think we should. That felt really that good. Was, that was really that good. That felt really good. So... They went through with this, and uh, moving forward, you know, they cleaned the car. They had rented a car. Oh, yeah, it was a rental car. <clears throat> they, so they cleaned it out and... Uh, turned it back in. Turned it back in, and then they delivered um, this ransom well, note. not even the ransom note yet. They, the Franks family was like, hey, Bobby's missing. Does anyone know where Bobby is? Oh, yeah. That night, because, I mean, Loeb is the cousin of this family. They actually called. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, we got your son. He's not harmed. We're going to send a ransom note tomorrow morning with all the instructions. So be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And have the money. Have the money. $10,000 cash. My name is George Johnson. Hang Hangs up. up. Right. And so the next morning. The ransom note did get delivered. The, and uh, the father. I Bobby re- Frank's father. Yeah, but I can't remember his yeah. name. May he rest in peace. He was about to leave the house. He had well, the, he already, yeah, he, he left had, to he go to the, the bank. Oh, okay. He pulled out the $10,000. Yes. He came like, home. Yes, was waiting that's for their instructions and he was where about, to go. And I think he had gotten the instructions and he was, he about, was about to, to go. leave when Someone, the police showed mm-hmm. up and said, Soy? A body's been found. And we think it's your son. Because these i don't understand they're geniuses but so dumb so dumb leopold and Loeb left his body out in a culvert and there was a night worker like a crew worker Mm -hmm. because it was near a railroad yeah yeah heading home from a shift and he ran across the body he thought it was a little boy sleeping and he's like hey hey buddy uh, do you need any help just to realize it was a dead body Mm. i know well, that would ruin your night. It would ruin your night. So then the police came and said, hey, well, because again, these are really rich people. Bobby Frank's family was also very rich. Mm. And so they like had like the privilege of like, you know, not wanting to get in the, in the, in the paper. paper. Right. You know, you know they, they had control. They, could, they had they, to they like could... keep their image up. And so, yeah, the police came and said, we haven't fully identified this body yet, but before you do anything... We think it might be your son. So whatever ransom you're about to go pay, say uh, to return your son, that's a bunch of baloney. Don't do it. He's they dead. Actually, they actually were also like, oh my, we found this like boy. He looks about the size of your son. Also, there was glasses there. Did he wear glasses? And, they and were the like, dad was like, no, no, he did not wear glasses. That can't be my son. But then it was identified as his son. And he was really sad. Right. So moving forward, this investigation begins. Yeah. Right. Both of them were involved. They were like, yes, yeah, they were like, let's, let's find the killer. No, exactly. They they thought, they were like, oh, we're so smart. And if we help out, no one will suspect us. No one will us. notice. So, cutting back to... Who was it? One of them actually was talking to a detective about it. And they're like, yeah. I mean, if I was going to kill anyone, it would be Bobby Franks. <gasps> oh, I... I think I it was probably Loeb. I think it was Loeb. I think it was. I what remember. a dumb idiot. 
I'm sorry. I don't understand it's how they like, could be such a genius and so dumb at the same no, time. Look, for, for those, for our listeners who don't know, a culvert is like those like little tunnels. Like those, like, like the sewer tunnels. Like the sewer tunnels kinda. that are out in the open. They are yeah. not hidden. No. They left this boy's, these boys, these boys? It's just the one. The one. This boy's feet out for everyone to see. And now, so Leopold wore glasses. Yes. Right? Right. So he accidentally Dropped left. Dropped them. At the crime scene where the body was. And so, of course, people are like, okay, if these are not the boy's glasses. Maybe we can use it. Because they couldn't find anything else. I mean, they were looking at the ransom note. Yeah. And they were like, I, I think it's this one typewriter. I mean, the ransom note did help kind of in the end. Later. really, they were like, I don't know There's what to do. There's nothing else. And so they actually went to an optometrist. In Chicago. And they were like, hey, is there anything special about these glasses? And at first, the optometrist is like, no, those are very general, like... The, like lenses and then they're like what about the frame and there was like a little part of the frame that was like really fancy yeah it was and like they, they like looked it up rimmed. yeah they looked it up throughout their things and they realized that th- those frames specifically had only been sold to three people in chicago uh-huh by, by one by one optometrist yeah and so they're like, who are these three people? One of them was a woman. She had, like, a strong alibi. Yeah. Didn't even live that close, you know? One of them was a man who had moved to Europe. So there's no way he could have done no. it. No. The third one. Is none other. Than Leopold. Yep. You know. Insane. So then they went up to him and they were like, hey, Leopold, why did we find your glasses here? Oh, you want to act? I'll be Leopold. Ready? Oh, oh, right, right. I'm a police investigator. Yeah. Okay. Say, young man. Mm-hmm. We found your glasses. Oh. At the crime scene. This is really hard, Phyllis. I can't do accents. That's okay. You don't have to. Okay, thank you. We found your glasses at the crime scene. How can you explain your glasses? There? Oh, you know, I'm I'm like a famous birder. Everyone knows I go like bird hunting. I must have uh-huh. dropped it like two weeks ago, despite them being insanely clean. Hmm. I must have dropped it like two weeks ago. How would you have dropped your glasses if you were wearing them? Oh, can I see them real quick? Let me, I'll, uh, I'll put them in my pocket. I'll show you how oh, easy so you, it is. So you weren't wearing them? No, they were in like my pocket. They must have fallen out. Okay. Well, let me show you how easy it is. Uh, trip. Uh, they didn't fall out. Oh, shoot. Let me, let me try one more time. Uh, okay. A trip. Uh, um, let me stumble around. No, let um, me stu- I'm sorry. The, the glasses. Shake, shake, shake. The, the, they're not falling out of your pocket. So how do they fall out near the body at the crime scene? You know, this is like that situation when you like um um when you like uh, make like a fart sound with your chair and you're not able to recreate it. So, anyways, after some invest some further some further investigation, where you know, once it became very obvious that Leopold was involved somehow, uh, yeah, they-, they went and they were like investigating his room, right? And they discovered, right. they discovered a, actually, I think it was a note. It was a love note between Leopold and Loeb. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh my God!" First of all. They're lovers? The tea. Ooh. And they were like, so this lope man must be involved too. But also, this looks like it was written on the same typewriter as the, the ransom, ransom note was. Because there was like a slightly defective, like lowercase Le- T or something. Something that like made Don't it identifiable. But they were like, yeah. And they were like, hey, where did your typewriter go? And he was like, what? What typewriter? I've never typed in my life. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just, uh, so false. Because they fully, they, they brought in his study group. Not his friends, because again, he didn't have any friends. It's so they true. Brought in, Nobody liked him. They brought in his study group and they're like, oh yeah, he had that exact typewriter that you're thinking of. Here's some of his notes from class. And they were able to identify that it was yep. the same typewriter. So at this point, they were like, okay, Lowe and Leopold it's you two. did this. And then they went to trial. They did. And thus starts the trial, which oh a lot God. of crazy stuff. Well, because at this point, well, no, it, they didn't go to trial first. They what? were still investigating them, right? Oh. They were investigating them. They're like, we know you did it. We know you did it. Loeb was the first one to break. <gasps> oh, that's right. I forgot. They, 
they both confessed, but yep. Loeb, Loeb wrote confessed first. Loeb went, you know what? I was part of it, but it was all fucking Leopold. Leopold. It was all Leopold. So then the investigators went to Leopold and they went, hey, hey. Loeb confessed and blamed it all on you. And Leopold was, was like, like, are you kidding me? No, it was all Loeb. It was all him. And they both like turned each other in. That was that's when that was a went, big fight. That was a big fight in the relationship. I'm sure of it. Oh, I'm positive. No they more sex like, after no. that. No, no more. Mm-mm. Anyway, so then they went to trial because at this point they'd confessed. They had the confession. They had everything. Like, there's no going back from that. And so the families were like, well, obviously they're gonna get a guilty thing. Which, which at the time, like a guilty charge of like manslaughter was the death penalty. Almost guaranteed. That was the punishment. And so that was the family's like biggest worries. They're like, we don't want our sons to die. Oh. We don't want the death penalty. Who can we hire? Right. I also just really want to interject really quickly because this is also an important detail to the story. Leopold and Loeb both said that the other killed Bobby Franks. Yes. And when, um, and it's, Loeb said something along the lines of like, Momsy and Dropsy, weird names for, nicknames for parents, by the way. And Loeb had said to Leopold, Momsy and Dropsy are getting a little bit of comfort from the fact that I didn't kill him. So you are the one that's being pinned for the moida, not me. I'm involved. But I didn't kill him. But Loeb would later go on in his life to confess that it, he, he was, was in one. fact, the one that killed him. But anyways... So, they had to bring in someone that would prevent the death penalty from occurring. And again, very rich family, so who did they hire? None other than Clarence Darrow, acclaimed attorney. Oh my gosh, he was incredible. He was incredible. No, no, no. He was, like, known for so many strange things. He would sit there, and for some reason the judges, I think he just had this charisma about him, Mm -hmm. the judges would just let him talk for hours and hours and hours He was the master of filibustering. Yeah, he never... He never brought up notes. Mm-mm. He never read anything. Mm-mm. He would just go on for hours and hours and hours. And his claim, so he got the two boys, and he was like, we're going to plead guilty. That's what we're going to do. Because we all know you're going to get a guilty thing anyway, and I'd rather you not have a jury, but instead just have a judge mm-hmm. figuring out like what your punishment's going to exactly. be. So that became the trial. They both were like guilty. Um, and he made a bunch of arguments about how actually Leopold and Loeb were kind of the victims of their lives. It's true. that. Le- so what he said, when we said that he was the king of filibustering, we're not joking. His final remarks were 12 hours long. Didn't it take like three days? Yeah. Yeah, it did. It For, took, like, his final remarks. His final remarks were 12 hours long. So he said, like, you know, like, uh, he admitted the guilt of his clients. but and, and then he said that there were voices beyond their control that influenced their actions. So Philip Johnson, a law professor, <laughs> he, he, he described uh, Clarence Darrow's argument as follows. Quote, nature made them do it. Evolution made them do it. Nietzsche made them do it. So they should not be sentenced to death for it. Which is crazy. They were blaming, like, the school for teaching them Nietzsche. It's it's true. Like, they were, they were blaming education and philosophy for the actions of these two boys. They also talked about how they were, they were victims of privilege. They were victims of being rich. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they never had to, like, learn anything and that they were corrupt by society and the, like, need to be rich and living in this rich society. Mm-hmm. And during this trial, so, you know, there's, there's, the, uh, there's the defense, uh, there's the prosecution and the defense, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's right. Okay. So, like, the prosecution's argument, because, like, you know, the prosecution was like, we got to kill these boys. The argument was that they needed money to pay off gambling debts and uh, and a desire by Loeb to quote-unquote have something on Leopold in order to counter Leopold's on unwanted demands for sex. The defense's argument was that the murder was an effort to deepen their relationship. Neither of those are true. No. Neither of the... No. And I think that's why this, like, case keeps being talked about again and again and again. is because there's not really a clear motive. Th- there isn't. Like, at all. Except for these boys being, like, 
We're better than other people. We're better we're than bored? other people. I'm bored. I let's murder someone. Let's see if we could get away with it. That's you know, it. it. It was literally this is like how to get away with murder, the TV show, but 1920s. Yeah. Oh my god. It's just it's oh, it's chilling. I don't like it. But, it's chilling. But long story short, Clarence Darrow won. He won. He, he made such an impassioned speech against the death penalty because that was that was Clarence um, Darrow's like big thing in it's, his life. Let's not sentence them to death. Well, he also like brought up their mothers. He mm-hmm. was like, well, as mothers, you never know if you're gonna like be the mom of Bobby Franks and have your kid get killed, or if you're gonna be the mom of like Leopold and Loeb and have your kids be killers. Exactly. And so it's like, why, like, what benefit do we do by killing more? Mm-hmm. If there's already people who are dead, like let's think of the mothers, let's think of the fathers, let's think of the families. You know, it's this is one of those cases where sometimes, you know, in order to pass legislature that is actually a good thing, sometimes you have to sneak it in into a case that is actually quite disgusting. Yeah, because it's it's horrible that in that this is the case that overturned the death penalty in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's an immense victory in the court of law in, in, yeah. in, ter- in terms of uh, jurisdiction and, and pra- practicing law and punishment, et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, but it's also awful. That but it's awful that this it, is it, the it's case attached to this case. Where they were obviously guilty. They were just doing it to be evil. Right. And so, because this, this sort of case, uh, like, and this is repeated in numerous cases across, like, in uh, so many Supreme Court cases where it's like people will try and find subjects that can help get their legislation to the Supreme Court. Doesn't matter if the case is really, like, good or not. It's just, can it get the legislation across? And this is one of those cases where for Clarence Darrow, it was. Yeah. This was the case where it was like, you know... This is reprehensible, but I can get the death penalty overturned. And and that's what he did. The judge was weeping at the end of his speech. He was weeping, and they they got sentenced for life. Life plus 99 years for the kidnapping? That's right. But but no death. But no death penalty. So then what happens after they go to jail? It's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Because, honestly, it doesn't matter that Loeb didn't get the death penalty. He died quite fast. He did. He was doing his Loeb thing of trying to fascinate another inmate, try to get another inmate obsessed with him so Mm -hmm. he could control him. The inmate was like... You're, you're making advances on me. I'm not, what the I'm un- fuck? I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. So the inmate stabbed him 40 times. Mm-hmm. And yep. then he died. Yep. Leopold, on the other hand, he, he got, uh, not furloughed, he went, uh, probation. He got released on probation in the well, 1950s. Because, yeah, he's, he, the way he did jail, he was like the perfect inmate Mm -hmm. he again super genius so like before this whole thing he like knew nine or ten languages perfectly after jail he spent a lot of time studying because that's what he wanted to do so by the time he left he had mastered 28 languages mastered 28 languages he helped a bunch in the prison education programs helped them develop that um he participated in a lot of like awful medical studies that like Mm -hmm. hurt his body but really helped like the medical field uh he worked at the prison hospital he was just like the perfect prisoner all around so after only 33 years he got released he got probation and got released and lived the rest of his life yeah a normal citizen. A normal man. Although he never, he never was married. No. He never had kids. No. Because once again, he had a lifelong obsession, lifelong obsession with Loeb. Yeah. Another quote. Sorry, because I find this quote <gasps> fascinating. It. So from the trial, uh, one of the psychiatrists said of um, it was Bernard Gluick. Gluck? I don't know. He said that. Um, Leopold was jealous of the food and drink that Loeb took because he could not come as close to him as did the food and drink. Buddy. Lifelong obsession. This man never moved on from a manipulative... Asshole. Yeah. That makes me so sad for him. Not that he was a great person. No, he wasn't a great person by any means. Even at the beginning before he did any crimes with Loeb, like he was was just, just... He was kind of an asshole. 
Kind of, he was. He was an asshole. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But it's just like, it's sad how manipulated he got by this mm. man. Uh, yes, so that that concludes the tale of Loeb and Leopold. The lethal lovers. Mm. Uh, Phyllis edited in here. We didn't explain super well that now we're moving on to talking about what happened after the murder, how it's affected today's social world. So stay tuned. So the story has fascinated people for for a hundred years. years. And it has been adapted numerous so times. So many times. So many different thingamabobs. So for instance, one of the very first adaptations was in 1929. So like so soon after. Very, very soon after. And it's this uh, play called Rope by Patrick Hamilton. And so it's based on the case. However, it is different in the sense that, um, so it follows two university students, but they kill a fellow student. Mm -hmm. um, And what they do is, is that they have, uh, these two students have planned this party, this, uh, this like lovely kind of luncheon buffet sort of thing that's celebrating their friend. They have their friend come over earlier, they murder him, and then they stuff his body into a chest and then they set out the lunch buffet on top of the chest the that chest. the body is in. And then all, all their friends come over. The guy that they murdered, they have his family and his girlf- girl- Go. girlfriend come <laughs> over. And everyone's like, oh, where is this person? I can't remember any of their names because they're different from the... Oh, yeah. They changed the names. They changed sure. the names. I'm just going to say Bobby for now because that's the that's the character stand-in. So they're like, where's Bobby? Where is dear Bobby? And the two guys are like, oh, I don't know. He didn't show up. I, I don't know. He didn't show And But they're being, they're being really suspicious. So anyways, a former law professor of these two students comes and is like, hmm... What's going on? Something fishy's going on here. Eventually, he opens the chest, finds the body, and is horrified because he realizes that his two students have acted on the uh, philosophy of Nietzsche that he taught them. And so the play ends a little bit ambiguously. But it doesn't stop there. The, the play was adapted. Oh, also, I should say the play was very homoerotic. Oh, yes. It, it, was, a, it was a London play, and it definitely did lean into uh, the homosexual relationship between Loeb and Leopold. Not Again, not a ton since this was the late 1920s, but it, it was homoerotic. The play was adapted into a film by none other than our favorite, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Alfred? <laughs> Sorry, that's just my nickname for him. Alfred. Alfred. But why is that a nickname? You just leave out the R. R's are hard. Do you know what else is hard? Oh. <laughs> well, not me, because I'm a woman. <laughs> Yeah, no. But my you. 17 ex-lovers. All, all the ones that keep trying to call you during this recording? No, yeah, literally, hard. I have had 15 missed calls. Oh, it's there's just bad. another one. There's 16. just another one. 16, count them. God. That one was Josh. Oh, Josh? I yeah. thought you got rid of Josh. Well, I did, but... He keeps trying to come back. Yeah. Tell them after the podcast. This is your job. This is my job. I am a working woman. You are a working woman. Anyways, so Alfred Hitchcock adapted the film, and I just have to say, I watched this movie. I have never been more turned on in my life. By who? (sighs) By John (gasps) Daw. He played, he played... Oh, no, no, hear me out. Who did he play? Who did he play? I didn't watch this with you. Oh, it's because I had a private evening, and I'm so grateful I did. He played the Loeb character. (gasps) Literally, can you just imagine this? Oh, oh, okay. Close my eyes, I'm imagining. Okay. This man has this, like, this, like, the perfect hairdo. Tight-fitted, well-worn suit. This is, like, this was in, like, the 1940s, 1950s. So a very nice, well-worn, fitted suit. So, and, and, like, he has, like, this, like, navy blue suit on. um, And just the absolute glee he had in the moida. But listen, listen. He's once, he sat on the couch. And this, it was a pose that I would bet any top does. Yeah. 
I've never been in a gay relationship myself. But from what we know. But from what I know, and from the men that I have been with, this was, he was playing daddy. <gasps> and I, I just cannot express to you this sexual energy that was rampant through that film, even though they cut all the homoerotic lines. They cut them all. But, but the bodies. The bodies, because here's the thing, and in, like the actors knew. They knew about the... Oh, they, yeah. So they did their research. And they did their research, and they said, we're not going to lily whitewash this. We are going to do this how it was intended, even though the text has been changed because of the Hayes Code in Hollywood. And so there was still, like, just that tension, and I just... Oh, John. So, but, like, oh. I wish I could express more to you about how hot... John Dahl is in this film. I'm gonna have to watch it. I was so obsessed. I literally took time out of my precious day and I watched another John Dahl film. I cannot remember what it was called because it was horrible. And it just didn't do the same thing for me. No! I mean, he was still pretty sexy in it, but I'm telling... All you listeners at home... Wait, what's what's the... The film called Rope. It's still just Rope. It's just they didn't rope. change the name. They did not change the name. Incredible. I'm telling you, listeners. If you want a spiritual experience, and it's it's alarming how attracted you are to a murderer, and it does give you some sympathy for the Leopold character because you can because you say you understand his obsession. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. Oh no. I, maybe I would have been driven to murder too. Oh my God. Not really. For legal intents and purposes. That's a joke. That is a joke. I would never. Never. Never, never, never. Dollar's just not the type. I'm not. But continuing on the path of sex, there's another adaptation of the story that is directly about Leopold and Loeb, and it is <gasps> called, and it's a musical, and thrill it is called me. Thrill Me. Yeah, thrill Me. Oh my God. By Stephen Dolganoff. And so this this show places a lot more focus on the sexual romantic relationship between the two of them, and getting back to the uh, the erection story <gasps> that we this d- is a crazy story. So we discussed that the first time that they had sexual relations was in a train. It was in a train. Choo choo, <laughs> choo choo to my hoo hoo. <laughs> That's what I would say to John Dahl you if would, he were you here. Would. Oh my fuck! It me. was on a train. We also discussed the fact that Leopold obviously wanted sex way more than Lope. Oh, his libido was insanely Insane. high. And Lope's was really low. He he was more turned on by, like, the criminality acts. Uh-huh. That is not proper English. But you understand what I'm trying to say. Tell the story. Oh, I mean, there's not too much to tell. But anyways, uh, so Lope, you know, ensnares Leopold and is like, ooh, you should do this with me, do this with me, do this with me. And then it eventually uh, reaches a climax where, uh, <laughs> climax, see what uh-huh, I just, that's really funny. Thanks, that was unintentional. But it reaches a climax where they set a building on fire and Lope gets an erection. <gasps> and they have sex. Oh my god. Oh, but it's all Leopold wanted. I know. But and but the really interesting thing about this show is that there's a there's a twist. <gasps> so the big twist in the show is that Leopold planted the glasses on purpose. On purpose so that they would be discovered so he could stay with Loeb forever and oh. ever in prison. Didn't that, work out no. obviously because they were in separate prisons. In real life, they put them in the same prison. They what? Yeah. In real life, they were like, we got to keep these two separated. And I think they put them in the same prison. They didn't actually keep them separated. I must have read something faulty then. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I know that they talked about putting them in different prisons. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Because I I swore I read something that was like they were in separate prisons. But either way, Loeb was moited pretty early on. So if, if that is true, that Leopold planted the glasses, which who knows if that's true or not. No, yeah, they both went to the Illinois State Penitentiary. Oh, okay. Forgive me for the misinformation. No, they should have. They should have kept them separated. They were talking about it because they're like, these two are bad for each other. But they both still went to the same prison. Yeah, but they would, but they weren't, like, inmates together. No. They were, like, in separate parts of the prison. Oh. Because, like, Loeb had a different inmate that he was hitting on. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be such a gag if... 
Loeb was actually murdered by Leopold because Leopold was jealous that he was hitting on someone else. That would be a gag. Uh, Phyllis edit in here. Obviously, we had very different views of what happened here, so we looked it up and here's our research. Oh, wait, where were we? <laughs> oh, Loeb. Oh, yeah, no, they started out in the same prison. Okay. And then... In 1925, they transferred Leopold to a different one. Oh, okay. Because it had medical facilities he could work at. That's and okay. Then, then they then separate. started hitting on other men because he didn't have Leopold. That makes sense. I don't have much more to say about Thrill Me except just the fact that you know this is a, a story that has pervaded the American consciousness for a really long time. You know. Um, in in different decades, um, it keeps being remade or being retold in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like recently, there was a play called The Dialogues of Leopold and Loeb that is directly based on the transcripts and interviews and et cetera, et cetera, of the trial and the investigation and documents that were found in Leopold and Loeb's possessions. Um, like it's like the all of the text is directly based off of like these real life words. And so, and that was recently done, like, less than a decade or so ago. It's crazy. You know, but... So then I guess that brings up the question of, like, why are we so fascinated by it? I really think it's the fact that there's not really a motivation. They literally chose Bobby, like, ten minutes before they killed him. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't doing it to someone on purpose, they were just doing it to, to murder it. someone. Right. Which is insane. And I just think it's really hard for most of us to wrap our minds around that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also think because they were gay, that adds like the extra spice. Yeah. And also, unfortunately, probably led to uh, more negative stereotypes of queer people for because sure. it was like, oh, see, these degenerates of society, mm-hmm. they murdered somebody. With no cause. No cause. I have a guest that <gasps> I've brought in. My nephew, Levi. Oh he, my god, I love Levi. He's a homosexual. So, Levi, yeah? I would like to ask you a question. As a gay person, have you ever killed somebody? No, that's all the time we have for. Thank oh you god. so much, Levi, for See, coming in. it's not gay people. It's just Leopold and Loeb. It's just them. But I think that's also contributed to a lot of the fascination. It's like this secret love, because people love secret love. They love secret love. Oh my god. The really dark Romeo and Juliet. Really toxic, dark Romeo and Juliet. That happened in real life. Real life. You can't make this shit up. Thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time we have for today's episode. I you enjoyed fil- that. Oh, sorry to cut you <laughs> off. I'm sorry. I got really excited. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm Phyllis. I'm Dala. Stay smart. Stay slutty. We'll see you next time. I'm sorry, Phyllis. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's okay. Thank you. (sighs) Ah.